Welcome to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Unfortunately, we don't have Robbie the Guru Hale in the studio who is at a funeral at the moment, So, or later on this morning. So best wishes to the Guru with all of that stuff. But we do have the returning Raf Clark. Raf, welcome back, mate. Where have you been the last couple of weeks? Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, been out and about um, down towards the Timber Creek area, Gregory National Park, um, doing some carbon projects down there, yep. mate, helping them out with the early burnings and getting a, see all the smoke in the sky. So, yeah, getting it nice and early before the, the grass dies out too mm. quick and it becomes too hot up here and we end up big, big, big wildfires. So a bit of early control, mate, and that's um, part of my role at the moment. So I'm in and out of town very, very uh, regularly this these last few weeks and few months coming. So, mm. yeah, unfortunately I won't be on the show as much as, um, as I'd like, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll give the, the boys a time when I'm in here, so thanks yeah. for having me in. Well, we'd love to have you as often as possible, Raph. Speaking of the weather, how are you going with that dry season weather? I saw you rocked up with the long sleeve funnel at this morning. Um, I mean, I'm one of those people where I let my ego get in the way of things and, and I don't like being seen in a jumper in Darwin. Um, but it's getting close to that weather. I believe it was below 20 this morning, which if anyone interstate is listening to this would say, how on earth does that mean it's jumper weather? But below 20 is pretty cold in Darwin. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, I, when I walked out to wait for you, I, I thought, it's a bit chilly than normal, and um, when I checked the weather, it was about 18. So that is very, very, that's uh, very, very cold for Darwin people. Mm. Um, so there'll be a lot of jumpers getting around this morning, that's for sure, and, and even some long pants, I, I'd assume. Oh, no doubt. Hey, before we talk too much further about things, I think the biggest thing that's happened in the past fortnight since we've spoken on the show is Tasmania entering the AFL. I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Obviously, it's something that if you follow the football media, you know, it was something that was planning to happen for a while. But to get that official call, that's great for Tasmanian football. What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, mate, it's um, it's awesome to see another team gives um, you know the opportunity for more players to be playing at the top level, yeah. Um, especially, um, but the Tasmania, you know, they've been behind the AFL for a long, long time, and mm. the amount of players that come out of there every year, you know, they get two or three home games or more. Um, you know, they've always had an AFL club call that their second home. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see they've got the back end, they've got the funding, they've got the, mm. everything there and ready to go and. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, throwing the argument there should have been another Sydney team or another a Brisbane team or even a team up here. But mm. my my thoughts on that one is uh, I think Darwin's still a good seven or eight years away from that um, off the top of my head. Yeah. Now, let's talk about that a little bit. So, I don't know, and I admitted it when I was talking to Rob Hale about this, that I don't know all the ins and outs about how it's going to work financially and all the implications surrounding that. I trust that there are way smarter people than me financially involved in this project, um, you know, that can source out possibilities. To, to make it work, but it does seem like a long way away, doesn't it, the Northern Territory bid? Uh, obviously, the NT Thunder, and it's hard to compare the NT Thunder directly with the NT because Tassie used to have the Devils in the VFL as well who are no longer there, but um, you know, the NT Thunder eventually ran into their own financial problems and problems with support within the community. What do you think has to happen? And I know it's a long question and we could talk all day about it, but off the top of your head, what do you think has to happen uh, for a potential Northern Territory bid? And, and like you said, expand on the fact, I suppose, you don't think that it's going to be a reality for at least seven or eight years, right? Yeah, definitely. And um, like when you when you just, all the stuff you just mentioned is a, um, a key indicator to all of that. So like mm. if you couldn't, um, you know, we had a team in one of the top leagues in the comp 
um, you know, probably the next stage under the AFL and those those state league comps and, you know, you couldn't get enough backing support then. I know there's no, mm. you know, superstars and no marquee players running around in that side, but, you know, the um, I, I was able to play one season with the Thunder and, yeah. you know, your home games, you'd, you'd barely have 100 people in the grandstands mm. and, you know, if you, if you really want to show your support and show how much you love your footy, um, sometimes it doesn't matter who you're, who you're watching, but, yeah. you know, you're, you're backing your local team and your home team and, you know, I think if they bring an NT side in, I think you'd still have more play uh, support turn up to if they were playing against Collingwood, if they were playing yeah. against Carlton, I believe. So, um, yeah, and that's and that's the thing: the funding and and the money that, that, that come into the system is is a big one in itself. And mm. you know, to find a you know, you'd have to have a Rio Tinto that's going to be oh, yeah. up and running again. But all these mines seem to be um, in the stages of closing down and. Whether the core mine down the road, um, lithium core. Yeah. <laughs> they they want to throw some money at an AFL team, but that's... It would need that the, big business support, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, big business support. Lock them in for seven or eight years, so you know you've got guaranteed yeah. money to, to bring on other other supporters and other funding as well, so... 100%. Um, like you said, we're probably not in the... <laughs> yeah. You know, know the, all the ins and outs of it all, but I, I think from a personal, from a football aspect of it all, I don't think mm. the territory's ready for, uh, for, for some time. It yet. might be good to get someone from the task force on the show to talk about the possibility and, and let them break it down into layman's terms what actually has to happen just so the general public and the Territory has a better understanding about the pathway forward. Yep. Uh, I think player retention could be an issue. Like I don't think that um, it's the easiest sell to get yeah. players to move up to Darwin. If you're a young kid, let's say you've got, you know, you come from a big Melbourne family with a lot of business connections and you've gone through the private school system, number one draft pick on the way through. I don't think it's overly appealing to move up to a place like Darwin unless you're a guy that loves the outback and loves his fishing and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think it could be very hard to sell to some of these young kids coming through, especially those young Victorians, uh, that Darwin's going to be your home for the next 10, 15 years while you're playing in the AFL. What Could you imagine this to be, um, you know, is this a similar concern to yours? Could you imagine, say, your Nick Revolt, Lenny Hayes types, players that you played with, getting those guys to relocate to a place like Darwin? Or do you think that player retention um, is going to be an issue? Obviously, James Sicily raised this point when it came to young players moving to, to Hobart. So, yeah, I think Darwin's even an even bigger issue with that. Got, yeah, and I, I think in just in general in Darwin, like so, because everyone thinks you get a lot of time off when you're mm. actually in the season or you know in the system, but you might get one or two days off a week if you're yeah. lucky, and and a lot of those days off, it's you know all about your recovery. So it's not like you can get out and go hunting and fishing or whatever that appeals to people up here in Darwin, and you know yeah. that out, out outdoor lifestyle and. That's almost um, going to put you more at risk, I believe, in, in mm. terms of your recovery and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, you have to have a, the system set up so that you do your ice bath or you've got a, a nice big indoor pool or something where they can swim and do their recovery stuff as well as, um, you know, not just your getting them to, you know, yeah. commit to, um, you know, the lifestyle up here in Darwin. And, and that, you know, when you think of people who move up, you know, in, the, in our local footy season and they stay here during the dry season, it's more because of the party scene. And oh, the, yeah, yeah. You know, the dry season, weather's nice and they can get out and explore and, and see all the everything the Territory has to offer. But if you're here to play football and work, it's a, it's a completely different story. So Yeah. They reckon if... So I think if a successful Northern Territory bid happens, it would be contingent on that brand-new stadium getting built in the city. Is that... 
that a surplus to requirements? Does that need to happen, or does it need? Does it make the current TAO stadium setup really redundant? Like, what are we going to have a big stadium there, sort of just sitting there doing nothing? Like, that's a you know, it might not be quite the what other AFL clubs are using, but it's not a bad facility in its own, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and when you talk about you know, it's not being in the city, but Darwin is so oh, small. Yeah, exactly you, you're right. five minutes of five minutes max to eight yeah. minutes. You're you're in the city. So. Yeah. If you said, oh, there's a ground in the suburbs, and you told everyone from Melbourne, no, nah, it's still only an eight to ten minute drive. Yeah. People are like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. And there's no, tra- there's hardly a traffic jam to get there and, and no. whatnot. So, yeah, I think the uh, it'll be a, like you know appealing to have an oval in the city, but then you know it sits vacant if it's there's no AFL team or if there's mm. no local teams using it. So. That is another whole another story in itself, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, Sonic probably like out of our, you know, yeah, <laughs> out yeah. of our thinking and our, our expertise to talk about a stadium in the city. But yeah, I, you know, maybe because it worked in Adelaide, but the, mm. that oval was always there, and they just redone it and fixed it all up. So um, it yeah. makes sense because there's probably a couple more million just just in the city itself in Adelaide compared to us. <laughs> Last one on this topic. Hey, Raf, I think that. Obviously, if Tasmania come in and makes a 19-team competition, they're probably going to be pretty keen to get that 20th side. Um, I've sort of thought, like, I don't like the idea of teams sort of covering huge regions, like having a Northern Australia team that covers Cairns, Broome, Darwin. I think it's too disjointed. But, I mean, it could be one option to potentially try and improve the whole, not just have an AFL team up in that Northern region, but also to improve the whole pathway system itself. And perhaps one way of getting the Northern Territory under-18s team more competitive could be to get the best players from Cairns and the best players from Broome and, and these northern regions that may feel they're getting neglected from the lower regions in their own state. Um, and I don't know, I like, like then it wouldn't make sense to call it Northern Territory Thunder, but if you had like a Northern Thunder and it was still essentially Northern Territory Thunder, but you borrowed some of the best players from Cairns and Broome, I think that could work better and, and potentially be a way that the Territory gets its own AFL team. But even that, I think, like it's still a wild idea. It's still something that I think isn't overly realistic at this point, but... Any other options on where a 20th team could come from? Maybe a third team in WA? Or? Yeah, that's the, that's the options. I think a third team in WA or even another team directly out of Sydney yeah. um, because of, you know, the potential to keep people there. Um, yeah, that north, the northern side of uh, Australia, it's, like you just mentioned, it's it's very, very tough. Um, yeah. There is a lot of players coming out of Cairns over the last few years, which is um, awesome. But, you know, straight away, the Gold Coast Suns yeah, have exactly got their right. blanket over them. And even yeah. our best players, like the boys that have left Darwin, like Jeffries and, and um, yeah. Malcolm and those boys, you know, like they've, they've gone straight to the Gold Coast Academy. So, yeah. Uh, for the Darwin boys, it's awesome, to, yeah. you know, because it's as close as they can get to home. <laughs> so, but... Yeah, I, I I like the idea, and if you had a team like that in the in the VFL playing against the best, and 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 it, you know you can grow that. Certainly you know, seems like a long term project, doesn't it? Definitely longer. does, yeah, definitely yeah. does, and you you need all the best um, experts in footy and down involved in and getting everyone's ideas, I guess, to try and get the players here and actually get them to commit. <laughs> yeah, very good, mate. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, sixteen eleven a.m. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Hey, Raf, we were talking off air about the Indigenous jumpers and it's really topical because your brother has been... and he, and your family, of course, as a part of that, have designed Richmond's Indigenous Jumper this year. Tell us what you know about that, and we are hoping to get your brother on the show in a couple of minutes, but tell us what you knew about that um, and, and what your thoughts are on the end result. 
Yeah, it's, um, it's a big honour for Xavier and, and, our, and our family, like um, from out from the Moyle River region, um, Port Kutaway. Um, old Timothy Damu, he's he's the um, artist behind it all. Yeah. Um, and we've used um, some of his artworks of different paintings he's done um, to put together a piece that, um, you know, looks unreal on the Guernsey. Uh, I haven't seen it in person, but we've seen a few um, photos, photos of it. Yeah. Um, and if you've jumped online and seen Xavier's um, explanation of the story about it, um, yeah, it's it's really um, awesome from the from the Richmond Football Club to yeah. you know to, to even ask Xavier. Um, and he's been their assistant coach now for five, maybe going into his sixth season. So, you know, we can't thank Richmond Football Club mm-hmm. enough to put in our family, um, you know, our culture and our tradition on yeah. out on the Guernsey, and um, the whole family's going down. So, you know, we'll have all the niece and nephew standing and I think a couple of them might be even bloody running out with the team oh, yeah. on the night. So we're looking forward to being in Melbourne um, in the following week. So, yeah, big, big, big week ahead. It's certainly a big honour for your family, isn't it, Raph? Like I know Xavier said in the statement that Richmond released that last year her daughter loved wearing the jumper that Marlon Pickett designed where this time she gets to wear a daughter, uh, jumper that her dad designed. So that's obviously a big thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think she might be even one of the, the mascots running out on game yeah. day. So I think... I think she'll be running next to her favourite player in Shea Bolton. So <laughs> there you go. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End. With Jackson Clark, Raf Clark, and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Raf, we love to celebrate the local Northern Territory stars that are doing great things at the elite level. And one guy that has been doing it for well over a decade now is Stephen May. And he will celebrate game number 200 this weekend in the AFL. Mate, he has had an exceptional career. He's a dual All-Australian now and a member of Melbourne's drought-breaking premiership team. A great achievement for one of the best defenders that the Territory's ever seen, probably. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a nephew of mine, Stephen May. Um, bloody amazing achievement. Um, I've, I've tried to contact Stephen um, last night to see if he had the time to join us for a chat. So hopefully I'll get a response from him. He might be having a bit of a sleep Could be a busy morning. man. Yeah, he might be very, very busy, but... Yeah, for anyone to play 200 games, but a territory boy, um, you know, that we both know really, really closely. Mm. Um, and Stephen's always back here in Darwin and gives his time back to the local footy as well. Every time he's here, he's watching every local game, especially the Southern Districts games. Yeah, um, Southern Districts champion, young champion. So, um, but yeah, amazing achievement for anyone, especially from the territory. Yeah, no, he was such a dominant junior. I was lucky enough to play alongside him at Sanderson High School and in a couple of little underage territory type things they had going on. But he was always like the big captain, the big forward. You kick it anywhere near him and he'll do the rest. Yeah. Um, then he kicked five on debut for Southern Districts in the NTFL Premier League. Was really good playing for NT Thunder in the Quaffle. He was one of those guys that was always going to get picked up. Ended up going to the Suns as a Northern Territory zone selection. He'd get a gig, surely, wouldn't he, in the next Territory Team of the Century? Yeah, definitely, um, for sure. Um, I was lucky. Well, was his mother trusted me. Um, I might have been in my fourth or fifth season uh, when Stephen moved down to boarding school, so yep. I became his um, weekend guardian. So whenever oh, yeah. he wasn't in the, in the boarding house, he'd, he'd come stay with me. So, um, yeah, hopefully he learned a few things from me. He'd come down to the St. Kilda yeah, games. I'll, 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 speech. Yeah, I'll claim that anyway. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's made the 200 games because of the input I had. But... <laughs>
Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Hey, Raf, we were talking before about the honour it was for your family to design the Richmond Indigenous Jumper, and we believe we are lucky enough to have your brother on the line at the moment. Xavier, do we have you? Yeah, you do. Hey, guys, how are you? All good? Very good, mate. Thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, I love the design. Obviously, it was announced during the week. The It was revealed during the week, rather, Richmond's Indigenous Jumper this year. Um, obviously, a big honour for yourself. And we were talking before about the quotes you said about your daughter and how she'll get to put on a jumper that her father has designed. What does that mean for you and your family to be given the honour to design the jumper this year? Yeah, it's been... Um it's been an interesting one because obviously when I first got asked to, if I wanted to do it, I was a little bit, to be honest, uncomfortable with it. I've always sort of felt that, um, you know, the players are the ones that are sort of playing in the game and get the opportunity to design the jump. You know, Daniel Rioli's got the door and Shay Bolton and Marlon Pickett in recent years. And um, so I sort of felt a little bit uncomfortable, but I, um, apparently it come from the players. A couple of the players, um, you know, asked if I wanted to do it. So that was sort of a bit, of hum- bit humbling. So... Um, I, I agreed to it, and then it was almost like, well, what am I going to do? But we're fortunate enough that um, you know we've got a you know, strong family connection to you know, the Moore River and Chindi area with um, you know, Mariamu, Muddy Seven people, um, and lucky enough that our uncle Timothy Demuz had an original painting of the the dance. It's called the Wonga Dance. It's a a dance that depicts the you know a spiritual dance of looking after people and. Um, while you're on country and um, looking after family, and I sort of thought that was pretty fitting to, to I guess the Richmond Football Club and what we do, and you know about looking after your teammates and looking after, you know, your spiritual home of Punt Road. So I thought that was quite fitting, and and we started from there and and started to pull the elements together of what the jumper and the story and of, of one, I guess my family, and but also how does that link to the to the Richmond Football Club? So it, it um, yeah, it was a good little uh, journey. You know, I got to speak to probably my family back up and you know, Chindi more than I have for a long period of time just to be able to go through the mm. different elements of design but um, yeah I think it was a great process and the jump has come up really well I think it is really really awesome it looks great how do you come up with a design like obviously the end product is what most people in the public see but for you guys that have to do the groundwork first do you like come up with a story first and what you want it to look like and then incorporate the artwork afterwards or do you sort of just like uh, start the design first start the artwork stuff and then go from there yeah probably like I said the inspiration was probably like when I first thought about it I was like what what am I going to do like you know what's, what's, what what am I going to put down on this um, on this jumper and um, like I said I was lucky, lucky enough to have that um, inspiration of my uncle Timothy who's the artist um, in terms of his painting um, and started from there and then it became easy from there once I started thinking about yeah how do I um, engage all the other you know the, the non-indigenous players as well and it represents with the Merripin leaf on the jumper um, mm. and, and sort of drew a little bit of inspiration from other jumper designs too like you know looked out back at I guess Marlon Pickett's and Shay Bolton's and Daniel's and um, you know some of the elements that they used and yeah you know, how they went about it. So um, you know got a little bit of um, information off them as well. But um, yeah, look, it, you sort of work with the club. The club's, as you can imagine, well resourced. Um, you know, with the design yeah. team and so forth. And 
you know, it's amazing what they can do now. Um, with, you know, whether it's technology and design, you know, you have this idea in your head and you send them through a, a, a bit of a prototype, what it looks like, and then they come back with this design on the jumper, you know, four or five days later. It's, it's pretty cool how they do it. I think, um, Xavier, how you going, brothers? You're Raff, it's Raffy, your brother, um, <laughs> if you didn't recognise. Um, um, <laughs> uh, I think a, a shout-out, too, probably goes to Shane Cook, the, who's an artist himself um, and, and a well-known artist throughout the um, southern region of, um, especially Adelaide, where he's from. He's helped put the Guernsey together with you, hasn't he? Yeah, well, Shane Cook's uh, helped. Um, he actually designed the uh, football for Shane Edwards, um, I think 300th game, um, and that's where the connection came from with the footy club. And yeah, he's the one I guess I was talking about where you know you can put a um, you know design to him, and his ability to be able to pull out all different elements of that and, and whack it on a jumper is is quite amazing. Um, and you know, like Ralph said, he's a you know, indigenous man from South Australia, and he's done a lot of work um, you know across different industries. And I think Formula One is one of the ones that he worked with um, initially. Um, but yeah, just working with guys like that has been you know, a real privilege to be able to work with, I guess, other Aboriginal people in their fields that are, um, you know, excelling in what they're doing across the country. So it's um, it's been a great collaboration um, doing that. And like I said, the product looks awesome, and you know, even looks better when the players are wearing it. And I can't wait for it to be out on the MCG next weekend. Hey Xavier, what are your thoughts on Richmond's start to the season? Obviously, I'm a Richmond, not obviously, but I'm a Richmond diehard. Um, two wins and a draw to start. I think the Tigers have been in most games so far this season. It hasn't been a disastrous uh, run of form or anything like that, but the wins aren't coming probably as much as what you as a coaching group would have hoped for. Uh, has it been a frustrating start to the season? Yeah, look, there's no doubt about that. We've... Um We've been in games. We've been in the fighter games. You know, um, you know, fourteen points against I think uh, um, sorry, Melbourne and you know, you know, eighteen points against Collingwood. And all those games have been within you know, reaching distance. Um, you know, the Sydney game was a bit of a disappointing one. You know, seven minutes ago, and you, you know, ten points down, eleven points down, you end up having a bit of a blowout. So that was a disappointing one. But mm. but we're, we're confident in what we're doing. We, we you know, last weekend. Although that um, West Coast have got their own challenges, there's no doubt about that, and they've got some, um, you know, with injuries and that. But we thought we played a style of footy that we haven't seen for a little bit. You know, being able to, when you think about Richmond games, you know, you get to quarter time and it's you know close. You get to half time and it's you know still there about, and then you know third and fourth quarters you start to break games open through just the way we play, and we saw that on the weekend. So mm. I've been players have built a little bit of confidence from that, and it's been a good week. Um, on the track, and we've got a great challenge tonight against um, Cats, who have definitely hit their straps, and you know they're one of the better teams, or, or if not the best team in the comp at the moment, um, in terms of the way they're playing in offence, um, but also really solid defensively. So, yeah, we, we've we've had our challenges. We you know, we pride ourselves on, I guess, front half pressure. We the last two weeks we've had high front half turnovers, uh, but our ability to be able to turn those into scoring opportunities um, have been. A um, little bit lower, but you know, we're working on that. I think we scored six goals, seven from front half turnovers last week, so that's a step forward. So, if we get the game played on our terms in that in that part of the game, we you know, hopefully get a, a front half game and and see how we go from there. Hopefully. 
Yeah, Xavier, um, my, my next one is um, keeping on the NT flavour and um, the Indigenous boys. How's Morris coming along? Is he improving um, with his injury? And is he definitely going to be have his hand up for that Indigenous round? Because I'd, I'd love to see him out there on the MCG for Indigenous round and in that Guernsey as well. Yeah, he's um, he's progressing well. He's, uh, I think he's two weeks or two and a half weeks into a hamstring strain, so I think he'll be he'll be available next week. I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll just see how he goes with training. We understand he's he's pressured and the ability to be able to chase and um, turn the ball over for us is something that we highly value. So um, look, if he's if he's ready, there's no doubt to be considered um, if we you know, if we get to that to that position. Yeah, awesome. And, and keeping on that territory flavour, um, young Bo Ted Castle in the VFL, I think he might be returning from injury as well. I think he had two games so far. And how's, how's he how's he fitting in down there? Yeah, we both, as you know, he lives with us. Um, our, you know, we've got, call him our third child. Um, he's uh, he's uh, he's doing well. He, he, he played his first game in the VFL in round one and kicked the goal. And unfortunately, he hurt his hamstring the week after. And he's been... Um, He's been sidelined since, but he played in the um, Futures game on the weekend against Vic Metro uh, down at uh, Trevor Park Road when he actually kicked three goals in that game. So, um, yeah, obviously Vic oh, Metro nice. is a, a bit of a powerhouse, um, you know, state in terms of when it comes to um, state and national footy. And uh, for Bo to kick three in that game was, was you know, quite impressive in his first game back. So, um, yeah, so he's making really good progression and hopefully, you know, this week we'll see him back in the BFL and hopefully the week after as well. So... We'll see how that pans out. So, uh, Xavier, Stephen May is celebrating his 200th game this weekend, uh, obviously on a fantastic milestone. It's very hard to get to 100, let alone 200, um, and Stephen May said that in his interview as well. He has been a fantastic player, hasn't he, over a long time? He has, yeah, and I just love, you know, he's, um, he's quite, you know, a kid growing up in Darwin, you know, play one AFL game, mm. let alone. 200, and I guess that's everyone's dream. But I think you know his journey's been a one of, um, I guess, great learning and great development. And um, you know, he's you know, a young kid that goes to um, was it Melbourne Grammar, I think it was, when he come down initially, and with a group of you boys all together, um, from what I remember. And you know, leaving home, you, you learn great lessons. You grow up pretty quickly, and then you go to the Gold Coast Suns and. You know, become the best defender in the competition, and and, and you, know, you come to Melbourne and you get a fair bit of scrutiny. And in terms of the way he was going about it, whether it was right or wrong, but I think he's learnt some great lessons, and he's become one of the best defenders in the competition over the last you know ten or twenty odd years. And um, you know, which is a great credit to him and his ability to be able to work through those, um, you know, those I guess those issues and those criticisms, and and be able to still play good footy and, and now a Premiership player. But um, yeah, like full credit to him, Maisie. Um, you know, he deserves it all, and uh, you know, the way he's going, he, he's got another bloody hundred games up his sleeves if he yeah. you know, his hamstrings hold up on him. But um, yeah, he, he's in a great spot, and he's doing great things for the competition. No worries, X. Last one from us. Thank you so much for your time. But the there's been a lot of excitement with the Tasmania team granted the 19th license into the AFL. Naturally, everyone will talk about, well, who's number 20? Who's the 20th team to come in? And all eyes are pointing towards the Northern Territory, or at least up here, it seems like it is. Um, what do you think, uh, the, what is the likelihood of a Territory team entering the AFL, say, within the next five, ten years? Um, and what would that mean to someone like yourself? Um... Yeah, look, it's interesting. Like we know that the Darwin population's um, 
you know, not as big as every other state, but that's, that's um, evident. But, um, mm. look, I, I think if they can get it going, um, it, it'll be truly amazing. Um, you know, what it means for me in, if it's take 10 years' time, if I've still got a job coaching, <laughs> um, you know, obviously being able to be a part of that would be, um, would be uh, yeah, definitely something that you'd definitely consider and, and love to be a part of, you know, that team coming into the NT. But um, I, certainly they've got a fair bit of work to do around, you know, resources and, um, you know, whether they do build a new stadium. Is TIF Stadium the place to be? I'm not sure. Um, uh, you know, to build a stadium maybe close to the city would be amazing. We've seen what Adelaide Oval's done to, to Adelaide. Um, um, yeah, so like I think there's a lot, lots of work through. You know, the funding of it, you know, the, the funding of working through an AFL team is, is quite significant. Um, they don't have enough resources and sponsorship and membership to be able to fund a local team potentially. Um, but yeah, I think there's a bit to work through, and I, they're doing some great work. I think um, uh, the Bowden boys are doing a bit of work up there with AFLNT to try and um, have a feasibility study on what that looks like. So yeah, if that. But they say it can work. Well, then, yep, let's do it. Let's, let's get it. Let's get it happening. Mm. Yeah, no doubt, Xavier. Thank you very much for giving up your time this morning, and best of luck in tonight's big game. Thanks, Xavier. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, sixteen eleven a.m. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raph Clark, and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Robbie Hale away this morning, but you have myself and Raf Clark in the Rain and Horn studio talking all things footy and local sport. Hey, one of the big talking points of the week, Raf, was the booing in the AFL, and more specifically, the booing subjected to Lance Buddy Franklin, who is one of the AFL's all-time great champions. It was an interesting one. It was considered bad enough for all of Collingwood, Sydney, and the AFL to have released statements pretty quickly during the week. Um... Obviously, it's a complicated issue. Uh, people have their own reasons to boo. You know, I'm not traditionally a big booer myself, I suppose. Um, but complicating things even further are perhaps the racial element, which has been brought up during the week. It was the first time Sydney faced Collingwood at the MCG since that Adam Goods incident and all the ugliness that resulted from that about a decade ago. So what were your thoughts about that during the week? Yeah, mate. Um, I didn't see the game myself, but then to see all the the stories and all the all the speaking about, it, and like you said, the the quick, quick quick apologies from the Collingwood Football Club and everyone else and the likes of it that had something to do with it. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've, I listened to a couple of people's um, you know, takes on it, like champions like Chrissy Johnson and whatnot. Mm. And yeah, he he wasn't a fan of it, and I'm not a big fan of it as well. But as you know, as long as someone's you know might have kicked ten goals against you and flogged you individually um, the last time you played him, and you you know you're trying to put him off his game or something. But you know, I don't think Buddy in particular has done anything towards no. or un, un to, you know to the Collingwood Football Club to make you want to hate him and boo him. And you know, when you got true champions all that, and I think that's what Chrissy Johnson mentioned. You know, Buddy towards the end of mm. his career, if you ever see him on the MCG again against your side and 
you know, our, our champion should be, um, you know, celebrated, not booed. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing. I, and, and Buddy's, you know, broken into that thousand t- mm. goal kicking. So you're probably never going to see that again in our lifetime um, in, in terms of AFL football. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of it, like you said. You're not, mm. a, you're not a big booer yourself. Um, but, yeah, I don't think, yeah, you can boo him for a couple of times and, and then you move on. But, you know, we've seen it happen to young fellow Jason Horn Francis from some, every other club. And, yeah. you know, he's going to play against Port Adelaide for the first time tonight. So Yeah, North Melbourne. Um, yeah. You know, I saw, not North Melbourne, sorry, I'm, I'm getting mixed up there. But, yeah, whether they, you know, are, are going to be ready for him and give him the most. But, um, you know, they probably, you know, going on by what's happened in the past in a couple of weeks, they might even might even cheer him. You never know. I think it's important <laughs> to make that distinction on when or what kind of booing is acceptable and what isn't. And there's always going to be debates surrounding that, I think. There'll be most people, or a lot of people would say, look, it should just be open slather. Don't just don't even look into it. If there's a boo, there's a boo. Who cares? Yeah. However, obviously we see all with the good stuff that it can get more complicated than that. So yeah, uh, I think, you know, if something happened, like an incident earlier in the game, a big hit, or maybe a player got a big suspension yeah. last time they met, or used to play for the club. Um, and also I saw someone online write it and they use the term a cartoon-like villain, a player like a Jack Ginevan or a Tom Papley yeah. who loves a celebration, someone like that potentially could expect to get booed. Um, but I thought Tom Stewart's comments were interesting during the week, Raph. So he will play against Richmond after his suspension last year for a strike on Dion Prestia. And this is what he had to say earlier in the week. Yeah, I'm not sort of blind or naive to the fact that they're pretty... Uh strong supporter base and I'm sure I'll cop a lot of feedback on the weekend but it's like most opposition crowds you can sort of take it against you or just you know realize that obviously in that moment I did the wrong thing and they're they're probably fair enough allowed to boo me um I mean some of the things that happen throughout the league of, of those that are getting booed aren't fairly just I think but I probably deserve it in this respect so long story short Raf. I am thinking that it should be A-OK for North Melbourne to boo uh, Jason Horn yeah, Francis this week. So you're you're also not against getting rid of booing completely, are you? Yeah. There's just a time and a place for it. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, it's not and not just jumping on the bandwagon and booing someone for no reason mm. in particular. Um, you know, like like um like he just mentioned just mentioned mm. you know he he you know done something wrong to a player and hit him high and, and got reported and suspended for it. So of course you're going to get booed for an incident. Um, mm. And that's what, you know, I mentioned about Chrissy Johnson saying, like, Jack Giovanni, he, he was booed for... Everyone yeah. thought he was playing for free kicks and diving and, um, you know, but he was winning free kicks yeah. and, and getting taken high. So, um, you know, like you said, he becomes a villain, cartoon-like yeah. villain and getting booed for that regard. But, yeah, like I said, you know, you can boo players and you can boo anyone having a shot on goal because you're going to try and put them off, um, yeah. you know, for your team to win and you'll do anything to, for someone to miss a goal. So... Um, yeah, it's definitely part of the game, but in in a, in a certain way and in certain terms. So yeah. Not just targeting players just because, I don't know, for one in particular reason that's got nothing to do with anything exactly. other than, you know, f- football. <laughs> well, it's a complicated topic, Raph. It's something that I honestly, I hope we don't talk about it again on the show. I yeah, hope it's definitely. not something that in the weeks, you know, to come get worse and worse and sort of spirals out of control. So fingers crossed that sort of gets nipped in the bud, although it won't this week with Horn Francis yeah. and North Melbourne, that's for sure. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one um, with Horn Francis. And, you know, like you said, you you, you lose the number one draft pick walks yeah. out and you're after one season and he's going to be yeah. a champion of the game. I reckon um, he might get booed by people in blue and white for the rest of his life. Yeah, and I think we might have a bit of a in, uh, take from... 
Well, uh, we, Alistair we, Clark. Yeah, we do. Alistair Clarkson had a uh, had a this to say about the Jason Horn Francis booing stuff. He's a 18 year old kid. Wants to be around his family and friends. Think he's going to play his best footy in South Australia. Who can begrudge that? Really, no one. Not even our passionate supporters at North can begrudge that. Texted him three or four weeks ago and said, "Mate." Just, just get on with your life. Don't think that there's any grudges here. We've moved on. You've moved on. All the best with it, mate. And he responded positively. Um, we appreciated the, appreciated the text. And it just, really, it was just a, an olive branch. There's no, there's no grudges here. He's been playing some pretty good footy for him and um, pleased that he's going well. Uh, hopefully it doesn't go so well on, on Saturday against us. But, um, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's moved on with his life and so have we. Yeah, we that's... do need to go to a break pretty soon. Sorry to cut you off there, Raf. No, nah, um, but that's um, awesome, bloody, to hear mm. that from Alistair Clarkson. And you know, yeah, it actually surprised me a little bit. Yeah, and and like you said, you know, wish the kid all the best. And mm. how can you, you know, have that against an eighteen-year-old kid who wants to go home and play footy with his family and friends? And yeah, he's playing some good footy, and hopefully, he turns it on like he did last weekend because he's yeah. had some really, really awesome games. And yeah. I like the theatrics of football, mate. I hope the North Melbourne supporters come out in a rabbit and, and boo him all afternoon. But I also, at the same time, help hope that Horn Francis gets his 30 possessions, yeah. 12 clearances, <laughs> and wins the game for power. So let's see how that all plays out. Another big story this week was the suspension of Jacob Van Royen, which was ultimately overturned last night. Um, and he is now free to play after what was a four-hour process at the tribunal. It was definitely the talking point of the week. I don't know if you saw the incident um, if you did see the incident, what were your thoughts on it? And what are your general thoughts about the AFL and their protecting of the head in these situations? Yeah, it's, it's a hard one because, it, you know, he clearly was, you know, mm. all I thought the whole time he had eyes on the footy, um, you know, and it's more accidental contact. Mm. And, I, I, and that's, what I think, he's what he's gotten off for. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one. And um, it's good to see him back out there playing, to be honest. So It seemed like it was a football act. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This is what Will Power, who plays for the Gold Coast Suns, had to say about the incident. I think he got it wrong. It's widely covered now. If you make contact with the head and don't make contact with the footy, you're going to be in a bit of trouble. But he didn't make contact with the footy, didn't have eyes for the footy, and smacked Charlie in the side of the head. So I think he got what he deserves. The MRO is doing a good job are out of position, you turn around, you've got to go back and punch the ball away from Jack Darling on the weekend. Will you think about how you go about that, knowing that the penalty has stood? Uh, I'll just personally, if I went into a contest that way, I'd just try and keep my eyes on the footy as much as possible and, and try and stay away from the head. Pretty strong words there by Power. He went fairly hard there yeah. on Van Royen. Um, and Jordan Lewis, also a respected commentator around the AFL world, he had this to say too on the incident. To see that being a, a suspension, I, I think is embarrassing. I, it just doesn't sit well. The more I watch that, the angrier I get. And even the young Gold Coast player that came out and said it was the right decision, that his comment was nearly as silly as the, the suspension. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe that you would see it that way and and, and back the decision in. Wow, Jordan Lewis's comments were probably just as strong, weren't they, Ralph? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and hearing that from the young Gold Coast player as well, I, I'm an, on Jordan Lewis's side. Cause <laughs> it, like we said, it definitely was a football act and not like he went out of his way just to particularly hit the bloke in the head and he was, the whole time, he was like trying to spoil the footy. And, mm. you know, if you're playing football, you know, some incidents are, are going to happen where you miss the footy and accidentally make contact to the head. And, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm on Jordan Lewis's side of that one for sure. Yeah, I actually wasn't overly surprised. So in general, I like seeing 
I don't like seeing players get suspended for what a football acts and what are essentially accidents. I don't think that he went there to try and knock him out. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I wasn't surprised. I thought with a lot of other suspensions that we've seen throughout the year, yeah, starting with the, the heads in yeah, it. and the dump tackle yeah. and all that stuff, I, I did see that and thought, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a week or two here. Yeah. And, and when that came out, um, I wasn't as shocked as what the rest of the AFL world seemed to be. But obviously, um, obviously, the right result was achieved in the end, according to a lot of different people. Hey, plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. In the studio here with Raf Clark, and we were just talking about some of the suspensions in the AFL world, particularly the Jacob Van Royen incident, uh, the Melbourne Demons young forward, and ultimately free to play after a four-hour deliberation last night at the AFL Tribunal. Another player a little bit closer to home suspended uh, is Junior Rioli. So he was suspended, given a two-week suspension for his incident against Essendon player Jordan Ridley. The Bombers defender was left with a concussion and will miss at least this weekend's game. I don't know if you saw the incident, Raph, but if you did see the incident, it was a bit of a weird one, I thought. The camera angles, obviously, it was a little bit behind the ball, so you didn't get that real close-up look of it. But what did you think of it? Yeah, and if you didn't um, know it happened, you probably, like, if you, you know, mm. seen it from afar, you'd, you'd, you'd just think the fella fell over, like, when they were crossing past. But, yeah, yeah obviously, Willie's, um, or Junior, sorry, is, um, yeah, might have stuck an arm out or a hand or accidentally yeah. got him on the way through. But, yeah, I thought he accidentally tripped him, to be honest, and, and the way he fell over. But um, when they show it from afar and you can see it in the background and, yeah, when when forwards are trying to cross over and make space for each other, you put a block on for the, yeah. on your, um, you know, your defender and, and obviously he's might have clipped him. So, yeah. and like you said, there's not a clear view camera of it to mm. see the contact that has been made, but there's obviously been enough contact that, um, you know, the player's got concussion. So, yeah, it well, might be a question for Junior to answer. I think that's <laughs> one, Raph, the fact that Ridley left with concussion because I didn't see the incident. All I saw was at halftime or whenever it was, I went out to watch a little bit of the game and um, my old man who was watching it said, oh, uh, Ridley's off with concussion. And I saw that and I thought, okay, well, that's not good. Yeah. Um, and then he told me that it was with an incident like Junior got him. And I thought, okay, went to social media, as, as you do, and all the comments there were going on about how, oh, Junior's a dog, and he's going to get five weeks and six weeks. And I thought, gee whiz, he must have whacked him. He must have got yeah, him really good. Nice and, clear. and then when I first saw the replay finally, I was like, what? Is that it? Like, yeah. it, It's not to try and discredit Ridley or say that it was a soft hit or that he didn't even deserve weeks or anything like that. But it was such an innocuous sort of strangish incident. It was like he flung his arm back in a bit of a clumsy or accidental yeah. way and, and seemed to collect him. And when you do that and, and the result is a concussion to the opposition, you, your days are probably numbered. You're probably going to get a suspension. Well, exactly. But when you refer it to, you know, that we just spoke about um, Van Ruins mm. and he was, you know, a football act as well. And, yeah. You know, accidental contact to the head because he was trying to spoil the footy. And I don't think Junior putting a block on, um, nah. you know, give his other forward some space. I don't think he... And he hold in his mind thought, oh, I'm going to swing my arm at his head. Well, he, what, him what, as well. he wouldn't do that at AFL <laughs> no. level. Head. So it's obviously an accidental act, um, yeah. the same as almost like Van Ruins, but Rioli stands and he, the Van Ruins doesn't. So it's a, yeah, it's a funny one. It's um, you know, where does it, <laughs> what's right and what's wrong here? So yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not in the involved in that system enough to you know give my um 
who's who's right and who's wrong. But yeah, mm. to for one to get off and one not to, and they're both an incidental. Uh, accidental, sorry. Incident. Oh, yeah. Get my words mixed up here, mate. But Same old. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for Junior. And, um, you know, he, he's starting to hit some form too. He's starting to kick some nice goals. So, yep. um, anyway, it's good to see him back out there flying. Exactly right. It is. It's... Um he missed two whole years of football. I'm sure yeah. an extra two weeks on the sideline isn't going <laughs> to cause him too much sleep. Yeah, he'll be right. Yep. Hey, let's talk a little bit about last weekend's results. So Brisbane Lions 15-10, 100 defeated Carlton 11-8-74. That was Friday night footy at Dockland, so at Marvel Stadium, not at the MCG where Brisbane have a little bit of a hoodoo there, um, but still a really good win against a good team that should make finals um, in Melbourne. The Lions, are they the real deal? Yeah, mate, uh, and the, the good thing about the Lions is they've been, you know, we've been talking about that for a while, that they're the real deal the last four or five years. Mm. So they've been, a you know, at least a prelim final side, you know, three or four times in a row and up the top two or three for, you know. So they're, I, I think, um, you know, if it's not their year this year, mm. then, you know, they're there. <laughs> They're definitely going to um, start going backwards, I think, because your list will start getting older. But Lockie Neal and yeah. those types, Zorko, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and no, I didn't... I think the the big thing out of it, I think Carlton probably, you know, Carlton supporters thought the Carlton boys were backing up and running. Mm. And I think Carlton were very disappointing in, in my review of the game um, yep. from watching it. And I, I actually thought they were going to be a lot more um, competitive, especially in Melbourne. You know, yep. um, Brisbane Lions just came out and just put, the, put them to the sword. And, mm. yeah, it just looked like... Carlton didn't have any answers for him at all. So there were quotes during the week from their CEO, Brian Cook, and also one of their main midfielders in Adam Chera saying, and I believe the quotes were along the lines of, it wouldn't be the end of the world if the Blues missed finals. Now, obviously, we're just talking about footy here, and, and literally, he's correct, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Yep. But in a football sense, um, it kind of would be. I think that they need to, I think that it would be finals or bust for a lot of Carlton this year and um, after going so close last year and being in the eight for just about the whole year I reckon it would be the end of the world yeah definitely and such a big big backing uh, club like Carlton one of yeah. the biggest clubs in, in Melbourne um, you know you go get Voss and whatnot and you're, you're building this this incredible side and yeah you know then yeah you, you get a touch up by the next best or one of the best sides um, yeah it's they didn't play finals this year. Yeah, like you said, it, it, it would be very, very disappointing for a lot of Carlton people. Definitely. Richmond were too good for West Coast on Saturday afternoon at the MCG. 15-14, 104-8, 10-58. I thought that the Tigers weren't overly impressive in the first half, but definitely kicked into gear after the halftime break. Won easily in the end. Tim Taranto and Jacob Hopper, that's an interesting one. Uh, if you've been listening to the football shows and the commentary surrounding that, uh, Kane Corns has been very vocal about, and not just Kane, but others, criticising Tim Taranto. And even on this show, I, as a Richmond supporter, was criticising Tim Taranto and his ball use. But he's starting to play pretty good footy. His last three weeks have been probably his best three weeks, playing within his limitations a little bit. Um, they did have to give up a pretty big price. The Taranto trade was ultimately pick 14 and pick 21. Hopper, I believe, and I could be wrong here, but I believe it was something like pick 31 and Richmond's first round of this year, which could essentially be a top five, top 10 pick, given the way the season's going. So they paid a high price. What are your thoughts now, about six months on from that trade? Yeah, especially on the weekend. They they were both in the high 30 yeah. possessions, and I think they both kicked a couple of goals. Like the, the Richmond midfielders, especially Taranto, um, Shea Bolton, Lottie, he was outstanding. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. that was, I hope he doesn't get the three votes um, Brownlow night. Um, He'll get the three votes. Yeah, he should. I think he had 30, 36 and kicked yeah, three. Yeah, something so, like that. 
um, and Taranto and Hopper and those guys um, were, were awesome as well. So at the, at the start of the game, or well, the first half, I thought, oh, you know, if, if Richmond can't beat West Coast at home, um, you know, they're going to have a very long season ahead of them. But, mm. you know, to their credit, the Richmond boys got moving, and especially those champions we just mentioned. Yeah, Geelong defeated Adelaide by 26 points at GMHBA. Jeremy Cameron was good again with three goals, while Tom Stewart was one of the better players on the ground. An injury concern with Paddy Dangerfield being subbed off just after half time. Melbourne Gold Coast, that was an interesting one. A good performance from the Suns, um, but the Demons were good enough to get the win in the end and bank the four points. How good a player, Raf, is Noah Anderson? He might be one of the best players in the competition at some point in his career, revelling in the absence of Tuke Miller, who's out injured. Um, he's a pretty exciting player, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. And he's got that versatility, like he's, he's yeah. size-wise, so he, he can play a bit of tall as well as not just your genuine mid. So. Yep. You know, that bit of extra height, he can go back and play off a half-back as well. And, and, and his ball use is outstanding, so mm. yeah, he, he's one to watch. Petrarca and Oliver damaging yet again. And last one before we go to a break, Fremantle and Hawthorne. The Dockers were far too good. I think it was a 69-point win in the end. Luke Jackson played his best game in Dockers colours with 24 disposals and a couple of goals. Raf, uh, a similar question to the Taranto Hopper one, but what are your reflections on the Luke Jackson trade so far? It's been hotly spoken about in the media. He perhaps underperformed a little bit in the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, a big, big deal. I think it was seven or nine years, one of those big ones that they throw out to, to lure these guys back home. So what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, I, I actually forgot he had bet there, and I watched him play it a few weeks ago, and then I realised it was him. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's you know fit into a new system. But you know you go from a team where you, you know he was in the, one of the best sides, so you only have yeah. to go about your role, and it made your job easier. Especially when now, if you're second fiddle to Max Gorn, it's a pretty easy yeah, role. Yeah, that's it. So um, other clubs. You're, you're now you're you know you're expected to be one of the best, and you have to you know set the play up and and actually mm. make the team better. Um, so it'll take take it a whole another year, I reckon, or, or yeah. maybe this year for him to develop into that role and be the number one. Ruck and and get to that spot where he sets up the Dockers and and, and takes them forward. So yeah, but yeah, good to see him um, respond with 24 disposals and a couple of goals on the weekend. Yep, certainly a talented player. Andrew Bayshaw, Andy Brayshaw rather, also started with 34 disposals and a couple of goals. Um, and there were positives for Hawthorne despite the big loss. Will Day has been really impressive this season. He was originally an early draft pick and some say a potential leader of the club. He had 26 touches and a goal. And Connor Nash is a bit of a random one, but another player that has slipped under the radar a bit. His past month has been fantastic. Raph, plenty more AFL talk to get through and we will touch on some of the other sports as well here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Raf, we are going through the AFL games from last weekend and one of the underrated rivalries, we spoke about it with Robbie Hale last week on the show, is the Western Bulldogs versus Greater Western Sydney rivalry. Those two teams have been going at it against well, pretty much since 2014, the 20, those prelims in the prelims, late yeah. 20-naughties, whatever you'd call the 2010s, um, they were some exciting games of football. Obviously, you had the Toby Green staff and everything else. So it's been great to watch the Battle of the West, but the Dogs were too good uh, on last Saturday night, a 15-point win. 
Marcus Bontempelli was excellent. Is he rivaling Jeremy Cameron as the best footballer in the competition? Yeah, he's, you know, these players, you think that you've seen their best and then all of a sudden they come out with another game like that on the weekend and, yeah, the bloody Bont, um, mm. you know, he, he wrecked my multi because that's the only game <laughs> I lost out on, mate. I was seven from eight um, on the weekend and, and the Bont, um, Did you yeah. back the Giants? I backed the Giants at home yeah. up in Canberra because it's one Not of the hardest... Not a bad tip, I thought it was Yeah, it's chance. one of the hardest places to beat them. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, and the, and the Bulldogs... You know, it pretty much was a Bont show, to oh, be yeah. honest. So, yeah. It's been the Bont show all yeah, year. That's it. So. Did you ever train with him when he was at St. Mary's? Yeah, he's been down there a few times. And, um, you know, he he was one of the blokes that he didn't matter where he trained. When the mm. senior group broke up, he sort of went over and helped out with the reserve team and, and under-18s. And, yeah, he was more so just to, you know, have a kick and have a, you know, mix in with anybody. And anyone had a question for him, he had the time and day mm. to give you an answer and, and have a photo with anyone who asked him. So, you know, the Bont's a, a, a true gentleman and, and um, you know, he, he gives the time and day to everybody. He'd be a big, fit-looking specimen, wouldn't he? Especially if he was a midfielder. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you know, coming from my older days when I played, you know, mm. years ago now. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's he's as tall as me and I'm, I'm a half-back, you know, yeah. playing on key forward sometimes at the rest and ruck and he's a, a genuine mid. So, you know, the times of, of the game have definitely changed in terms of the size of people. Yep. You've got Patrick Cripps is very similar to the 6'3 midfielders. <laughs> Another big midfielder is Tom Green. And I said after two rounds last season that he was my prediction to be one of the best players in the competition in a few years. Now, I was sort of was going to take that back a little bit throughout stages last year. He does have some deficiencies as a footballer, but he was great last week with 38 disposals and three goals. Port Adelaide got the job done against Essendon. It was a five-point win, one of the games of the round, actually. Uh, a very exciting contest and another honourable loss to the Bombers, which some Essendon fans will see as a positive. Others will be starting to get frustrated with losing games that they've been in a winnable position. The power always in the game, though. They just could not kick straight on goal. Half-time, the score was 5-11 to 9-1, so 16 scoring shots to 10. Once the power straightened their radar, the momentum was able to turn. Uh, Horn Francis is continuing his strong form. He's going to be such a beast in his mid twenties, isn't he? Yeah, mate. He's and every game he plays, he's just getting better and better. And yeah, his ability to back himself and just see football, get football. Um, he's just going to be a midfield beast, and mm. we're already starting to see that. Connor Rosie and Zach Butters are also playing pretty good stuff. Just a quick word on the Bombers. Yeah, it's a, they started off so well. Um, I think they surprised maybe a few people, but I think they're starting to find out where they're whereabouts, and I think they might be in that bottom half of the, the top eight, I think. Mm. St Kilda versus North Melbourne was nothing to write home about, so we don't even need to really discuss that. Um, I would be interested maybe in a couple of your takes on St Kilda later in the show if we have a little bit of time. Uh, but the one I do want your opinion on is the Collingwood versus Sydney game. Now, the Magpies got the job done at the MCG on Sunday. Sydney dominated the disposal count but over-possessed the ball a little bit and were inaccurate, kicking on goal when the contest was up for grabs. So, hey, uh, Raph, we don't have a lot of time here, but we were talking quickly about Nick Dacos and the treatment he received last week from the Sydney players. Do you like to see that or is it a no from you? Oh, I don't mind it, but it, yeah, like, everything's within reason, mate. And if you knock a bloke to the ground, say, three or four of you are doing it, it's probably not ideal. But if you've got one bloke, you know, just annoying a bloke all day, the genuine tagger role, I, I think there's room for that in the game. And, you know, some players made a career out of it. Stephen Baker, a past player, a teammate of mine, he was an absolute legend out of being a tagger. So, there's definitely room for a tiger in a game. Plus, you've got to let the young fella know that the opposition's around. I'm sure you would have felt the same kind of treatment, hey, when you were a young bloke. Raph, we will talk more AFL after the break. This is SEN Fridays in the Top End. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. 
Welcome to Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darling. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. It is now time for our Rain and Horn property update. The first one is the 1616 Marina Boulevard in Larrakia, a three-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment which is vacant and ready to move in. This spacious three-bedroom apartment is patiently waiting for its new owners. It has lovely marina views and secure access, making it the perfect for the owner, occupier or investor. You will love this location with the restaurants dotted along the marina, the white sandy beach and only a three-minute drive to the CBD. Relax in the afternoons looking at the marina and the harbour views from your balcony and taking the beautiful sunsets that Darwin has to offer. Offers over 625k. Come and check it out this Saturday, 10 to 10.30. Awesome, Rob. Um, sorry, Rob, I'm calling you Rob now. You're, you're not the, the guru. guru. Yeah. Um, the next one is uh, 4 slash 23 at Lawn and Limb Terrace and Driver, a three-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. This modern unit is situated in a small, quiet complex and driver within a walking distance to the main shopping centres in Palmerston. It has been well looked after and updated, featuring a modern kitchen with granite bench tops and dishwasher, three bedrooms with two built-in robes, tiled bathroom with bath, Split systems in all rooms, timber look floors throughout. First floor providing a breezy and balcony, internal laundry with a dryer. One allocated car park, please view the walkthrough video and drive past the property prior to your registering your inquiry. Open this Saturday from 1 to 1.30. Office over 275 in driver. Very good, Raf. Thank you very much. Check out those properties courtesy of Rain and Horn Darwin. Hey, Raf, we are approaching the tail end of our program this morning, so we do need to get into what is a big round of AFL action. Firstly, we have the rare doubleheader on Friday night. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting because the NRL do it every week. And yeah. It's, it's a hard one, so it sort of d- divides your, your splitting of the, you know, who, mm. who's more popular and whatnot. But AF, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the NRL seem to do it as a doubleheader, though, don't they? So one, they don't, like, fl- clash it's into not each the other. at time, yeah. Yeah, yeah whereas this one and the AFL yeah. will go into each other a bit. <laughs> so so. It's, it's an interesting one, and I don't know why or what's the, the, mm. the story behind it, but, yeah, we'll see what happens after it, I guess. And then... You know, if you don't have, you know, the Fox footy and all the other apps, mm. you only got you know, on one score, I guess, and you've got to jump on the internet to check up on the other games. So it'll be a hard one for people who only have the, you know, the live, uh, this the free TV, the live to air stuff. So we'll yeah. see what happens. It's an interesting one. Um, Rob and I are big fans of Thursday night football. I don't know if you feel the same. And I also wonder about how Monday night football could potentially go in the ratings. It's a very popular slot for sport in the US, especially Monday night football. So I suppose that's a question that the AFL will have to come up with if you know once expansion becomes a reality. Yeah, and if you look at the two games that they've got on tonight, you know you can pretty clearly um, it's probably no, who's, who's no surprise gonna, what will win the ratings there. Yeah, who's going to win the ratings there? So um, you know, it's a bit of a dead rubber up there at uh, West Coast. Versus the Gold Coast, no disrespect to both sides, but you know you're going, you got Richmond and Geelong. You know teams have been winning the last few grand finals. Uh, it's a hard one to go up against. So yeah. Exactly right, mate. There's no use trying to turn that into a blockbuster when it's not. Obviously, we're talking about Gold Coast versus West Coast Friday night. Big opportunity for the Suns to continue their solid form. Unlucky not to win last weekend against Melbourne, but I don't think Stewie Jew would be taking any solace in that. He'd be feeling the pressure, and this week against West Coast is an absolute must-win. But let's talk about the main game tonight, mate, and that's Richmond versus Geelong. We did have your brother, Xavier Clark, on the program a little earlier, the assistant coach of the Tigers. Um, And we have spoken already a little bit about the 
potential booing of Tom Stewart, the Geelong star, and his incident about uh, from what he did with Dion Prestia last year. Speaking of Prestia, he'll celebrate game number 200, the meatball. You said off-air, so let's continue this conversation on-air, that you'd be surprised if the Tigers were to get a win tonight. Um, I hope you're allowed to say that with your brother as the assistant coach too. But yeah, he, um, what are your thoughts on how this game's going to go? I'll, I'll tell it to him as well. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think the way Richmond, you know, their second half, especially last week, especially with their ball winners, and, you know, you mentioned Prestio in his 200 game. He kicked three yeah. in a row at one stage, a hat-trick on the MCG, which is very rarely. Um, you know, for a midfielder especially, you know, and that third quarter when he kicked those three goals one after the other, I was I was sitting there and going, Jesus, this is this is unreal. Um, yeah. So you never know, like, and if Richmond take that confidence that they had from second half of last week, you know, I oh know John Long's up and about and um, you know found the hit their strap. So mm. it's going to give a, a Richmond another good test for those younger guys that they're filling in spots at the moment um, for some key players missing. So yeah, if they can push them all away, um, it's going to give them real confidence um, going forward Richmond and, and knowing that they're going to be up there with the best um, but yeah I'm lot, sort of lightly leaning towards Geelong even though Paddy Dangerfield's out um, one of their best mids and, and we, we just spoke about the mentioned the Richmond mids um, mm. I think it's a game between the mids uh, but there again Jeremy Cameron's in some yeah, exactly. form as well. <laughs> it's been a great rivalry over the years. The Tigers have had the better, the better of the Cats in a couple of big finals games. Uh, the 2017 qualifying final, 2019 prelim, and of course the 2020 grand final. Cats have been dominant since. Um, I'm actually expecting a decent performance here yeah, from definitely. the Tigers. I'm going to go with the Cats. Uh, I think they will be a little better if I had to, to tip either way. It would be with the Cats. They are missing a few p- key players, but the Tigers also have Tom Lynch and Nan Curvis and a bunch of others out. Great to see Brandon Parfitt back in for Again, yep. the Cats. Uh, so who are you tipping, Geelong? Geelong just. Yep. I'll, I'll give them seven points. And Gold Coast and West Coast? I'm going to the Suns. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go to the Suns because of the, the territory influence, but um, I'd like to see West Coast get a win at home. Yep, good. Sydney versus Fremantle on the Saturday. Two teams who have certainly underachieved in 2023 after really good seasons last year. I'm favouring the Swans here, given the game is at the SCG. I think the home ground will certainly help them. Um, plus, I do think they have been in slightly better form than the Dockers this year. So yeah, they're my tip. Definitely, um, definitely lean towards Sydney because the way they play the SCG, like it's they're one of the hardest. Like, you know, such a unique hardest, ground. It's so yeah, small. It's probably the hardest ground to play on um, when you go into state, and you know it's a big, big trip for um, from from Perth to Sydney, and, and then to play on such a small ground where they're used to such a big ground at Optus Oval there in, in Perth. Yeah. So Sydney should get that one easy, oh, not easily, but I'll, I'll tip them by about three goals. The game that has a lot of interest for me is North Melbourne versus Port Adelaide uh, over in Tasmania. Jason Horn francis as we've mentioned multiple times on the show already, will play his first game against North Melbourne after being selection number one last year. What kind of reaction are we expecting down in Tasmania? And is it disappointing that the game's not in Melbourne? I think it is for the yeah, theatrics of it all. it is. Um, but, yeah, it might might take some of the booing away from it. Mm. Um, might not as be a, a strong crowd, but... Um yeah, it's, uh, I definitely would have loved to have seen it in Melbourne or in, and definitely in, in Adelaide would have even been better for Jason Horn. But mm. uh, I'm leaning towards Port Adelaide. They've, they've hit their straps um, and they're starting to play some really good footy. Um, like they yeah. knocked off St Kilda a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was that last week. I'm getting my mix, 
weeks mixed up with all this work travel I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that'll be a good game, and I hope Jason um, has a really good one as well. Yeah, I think Port will get the job done there. What are they going for? It's like six in a row or something. They're on a pretty good streak at the yeah, moment. Definitely. Ben Cunnington dropped by Alistair Clarkson. That's an interesting one. Still at his best, can be a clearance king, um, but just not getting his hands on the ball as much as what Clarkson would have hoped. Raph, have you ever been involved in a game, um, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here without that prep, what have you... Can you remember, have you ever been in a game where you've had to play against a player that's left St Kilda or something like that? Or you've played with a bloke that's now at St Kilda that's left another club and you're versing his old team, something like that. If you can't think of one or it comes to you off air after, we can talk about it next week. But I'm just thinking about like a similar Horn Francis situation that you've been involved in. Yeah, well, you had guys like Brett Peake, um, you know, Lee Frio, um, yeah. Michael Gardner left West Coast. Um, but they were sort of on the, on the way out. So yeah. it wasn't like they were the best player to come um, out of that team or the next best thing coming yeah. through um, yeah there wasn't any young guys that left their clubs to join us um, the, the guys we got were sort of those older guys maybe Farron Ray might have been yeah. the big one um, but yeah I never re- recall them getting booed or anything like when Saints we Saints had a lot of role them. players didn't they from other yeah. clubs like Schneider and Schneider, Peake and yeah, Ray Schneider and... was another big one um, and, mm. and he never copped anything from Sydney and whatnot and he, yeah. even the games when, we, when he was kicking goals against Sydney he, he didn't cop anything so yeah, yeah times have definitely changed did the uh, Cunnington one drop uh, getting dropped? Did that surprise you? Uh, a little bit, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, fair enough. I think it's um, you know, it's a good story of the league. Cunnington, we all want to see him go well, but they have deficiencies in their midfield, the ruse, and they yeah. need to come up with solutions to the problem. So I Definitely. think that's all. All that is Hawthorne versus Melbourne. This shapes as another big win for the Demons in my book. Uh, if the Demons are going really well, by the way, I'd love to see them put Stephen May up forward for half a quarter just to yeah, see what he put can him do. Up, put him up there in the last quarter or something like that, and let him kick a goal in the 200. That'd be an amazing um, way to finish the game. But you know, they get the game on their terms for starters. Um, you know, give Hawthorne credit. You know, they, if it takes them to the last quarter to do it, then, you know, well done to Hawthorne. But I don't see him beating Melbourne um, at the MCG. Yeah, we celebrated the career earlier of Stephen May, a 200-gamer. We love it when the Northern Territory players can achieve great things at the elite level. And for all the good players we've had, we haven't had that many 200-gamers. Even Michael Long and Sue Rioli both got under the 200-game mark. But... Yeah, he's an absolute star. We, yeah, we we tried to get him online this, on, on, on on for an interview this morning. And he's only just replied, and I said, "Can we get you on now?" But he's his response was he's about to walk out the train, and so it would have been awesome Almost to talk the to big to, fish. Yeah, it was it would have been awesome to talk to Steve and get uh, his own view of the, you know, his 200th game and his story and his career. But um, you know, we've had a lot of people talk about it already, and there's going to be a lot more to come from it. So hopefully next week we might be able to get him on and recap the 200 games. So We're going to have awesome. to lock Stephen May in at some point. There Definitely. is a lot about the journey and the story of Stephen May that maybe even can't be spoken about, but his story, I reckon, is one of the most incredible ones in the AFL. Just a champion. Obviously, as I mentioned before, uh, Sue Rioli, Michael Long, some of the all-time great players from Territory Footy, even they didn't quite get to the 200-game yeah, exactly. mark. So for Stephen May to get there, as well as collecting a couple of All-Australians and a premiership, shows what a champion football he's going to go down to be. We do need to go to a... Well, actually, firstly, we're going for Melbourne. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Easy one. We do need to go to another break. We will go through the rest of the games and all the other news surrounding Territory Sport here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. 
Ralph, it's now time for the Thoroughbred Racing NT Tops in the Top End update. We are joined by Steve Taylor, who is the Marketing Manager of the Darwin Turf Club. Steve, do we have you this morning? Morning, gents. How are we? Very good, thanks. Good, thanks. thanks for joining us this morning, Steve. How are the ticket sales going for the carnival? Yeah, look, going quite strong. We've, uh, we're nearing the end of uh, the uh, early bird period with final release tickets going on sale on Monday, the uh, 5th of June. So lots of people taking advantage of those early bird sales. And, um, yeah, I'd strongly advise and uh, encourage people to get in, get in early whilst, uh, whilst they're still available. And Because, uh, yeah, geez, I don't know about you, but the weeks are disappearing quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. Definitely. Hey, how can people get those tickets? Where are they available? Yeah, they're available on our website, um, darwinturfclub.org.au, um, which is easy to find. It's all laid out there under our uh, Darwin, Darwin Cup Carnival tab. And, um, yeah, they've, they've been very well received. Obviously, our marquee events being Cup Day and Gala Ball and um, the, the events at the, at the pointy end of the carnival, they've all, all been very well received. And we're seeing a good uptake on our events throughout the, throughout the carnival as well with, you know, Derby Day, uh, Ladies Day being, being particularly strong as well. It's uh, dry season is picking up, mate. It is getting cooler and cooler air, which must mean that it's racing time of the year. What else is happening? What's exciting you at the moment? Yeah, tell me about it. I'm just, uh, just overlooking the lawns here at the moment and uh, <laughs> visualising everything. Visualising everything that has to come in for carnival. It's a bit, uh, a bit daunting, but no, look, great, to, uh, great. To the dry is finally here. I think everyone in Darwin gets a bit of a extra skiff in their step this time of year, but. Um, yeah, look, we've got we don't race this weekend, of course, with the yep. uh, the race of the, the Tennant Tenor Creek Cup um, on this weekend. So all uh, all things territory racing, all eyes go down to Tennant Creek this weekend. But but thereafter, I think we race um, I think for twelve consecutive Saturdays, um, of course, with the transferred Adelaide River Cup meeting with tr- track damage down there. We uh, we pick up that meeting, so it's yeah. 12 consecutive Saturdays, and then we've got two Wednesdays in there as well with, of course, Ladies' Day and, and um, uh, JTEC's Race Day as well. Um, and then, of course, you throw in the cup there to, to wind it all down on 7th of, 7th of August for, for anyone left standing. So, um, yeah, we're, we're a very busy period for us down here. Exciting times, mate. Good luck with everything. We might hear from you a little later on. Thanks, guys. Good on you. Much appreciated. Thank you. No worries. That was... We'll... NT Thoroughbred Racing, simply, Raf, the best racing entertainment in the Northern Territory. We were going through some of the Round 9 games uh, that we are looking forward to in the AFL this weekend. Brisbane versus Essendon is an interesting one. I think the simple equation here is the Bombers need to find a way to stop Charlie Cameron. He's been in outstanding form. Not sure who will go to him, whether it's an Andrew McGrath or a Nick Hind. Jake Kelly is unavailable this week, and Darcy Parrish is also out for the Bombers. Look, it's going to be tough to beat Brisbane at the Gabba. They've turned this ground into a bit of a fortress in recent years, so I'll be tipping the Lions. Yeah, definitely. And Dar- Darcy Parrish is one of our best and better defenders um, this year, so him out has um, you know, definitely opened up the door for those likes of Charlie Cameron to, to get on the end of and kick those entertaining goals and, and the celebrations as well that we love from Charlie. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. He, um, you might hear a bit of uh, Country Roads on, yeah. the, on the weekend. Might get played a few times. Yeah, I'm... Carlton versus Western Bulldogs. This is an interesting one here as well. Raph, obviously the Blues are 
They've been a bit of a focus this week, the Blues, about their finals chances and how their season's looking. This would be a good win just to sort of quieten those critics a little bit. Playing the Western Bulldogs, who at their best, we all know how good they are. Obviously, the Blues are going to have to stop the blistering form of Marcus Bontempelli, and I think it could be a good opportunity for the skipper Paddy Cripps to respond from last week's poor performance and stamp his influence from going head-to-head uh, with the Bont. Yeah, definitely, and um, you know that'll be a that's a bloody mouth-watering uh, matchup. Those two, um, like we spoke about before, six six two six three Schmids, and you know they can go and play anywhere. And um, where their bloody uh, the Liberatore goes to um, Crips and gives him a bit of a headache on the side. Um, that's another story in itself, and that's a, that what we mentioned before. Those tags belong in the game because a guy like um, mm. you know. The Libertores, and that, um, that's what their, their specialty is, and, and then they break off and kick some goals as well. So, But I'm leaning towards the Bulldogs after Carlton last week's um, disappointing. Yeah, I'll show. go against you here. I'll go with the Blues to get a win. Get Obviously, it wouldn't back. surprise me Yeah, uh, if the Bulldogs get the job done, but I'll go the Blues here. Liam Jones against his old team, that'll be an interesting one. You'd think he would get a match-up on Harry Mackay or Charlie Kerno. On Sunday, we have just a doubleheader on Sunday, only the two games, Adelaide versus St Kilda. I reckon this is an underrated one of the games yeah, of the round, really. Definitely. Two really, really improved teams of the competition this year. St Kilda, to me, look like they're playing with great system. And by that, I mean they look like they're a well-drilled, well-structured, well-coached uh, team. Sometimes they can have lapses in concentration or bad quarters here and there, but it never really too, strays too far away their best and their worst. So um, even last week against the Roos, probably one of their worst performances of the season, but they still restricted the Kangaroos to four goals and, and got the job done quite easily in the end. Is this something that you noticing as well does Ross Lyon really place a big emphasis uh, on defense yeah definitely it's a defend first mentality and um, Mm. your attacking um, opportunities come from your defense so you know and having everyone rolled and and moved together and almost like you're all got a piece of string tied to each other so if I move in one direction to roll up and defend if someone rolls in behind me and covers so um, that's the Ross Lyon system and you know you're all playing together not one-on-ones and you win your own battle so mm. that's that's Rossi Lyons um, game plan and you know it's, it's good to see it working again and, and it puts the Saints in a really competitive position again in that top four situation yep uh Collingwood versus Greater Western Sydney is the final game of the round. The Magpies seem to be playing a lot of Sunday games this year, randomly. Great opportunity for the Greater Western Sydney to get more experience playing at the MCG, especially against a good team like Collingwood, a good finals team. Uh, A game like this is essentially the closest this team will get to playing in the finals this year, which could be a little bit harsh to say for the Giants, but I don't think they'll make the finals. So it's going to be good development for their players. Do you think that that's something that the Giants will get out of this game? It's another opportunity to play in front of a big crowd at the G? Yeah, definitely, especially those younger guys. Um, you expect a full house on. Well, not so much a full house because it's Mother's Day on Sunday, so shout yeah. out to all the mothers for Sunday. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Collingwood, in the form they're in, um, you know, it's they're going to have a, a nice day on, out on Sunday, I reckon. And hopefully it's a nice sunny day at an MCG because you can't beat a nice sunny day on Sunday at an MCG. Going for the Pies? Going for the Pies by six goals or seven goals. Yeah, I think the Magpies will get it done too. Um, although the Greater Western Sydney team will be looking to draw inspiration from the 2019 prelim where in front of about 95,000. They got the job done. That's it. So <laughs> that could be a confidence booster for them. Um, just quickly going through some NTAFL players. I thought it was interesting. Joel Jeffrey played in the VFL with the Suns last week and had 23 disposals. Moved to defence, so played across half back um, where he has played a little bit of football before. Played really good in the NT underage teams in that position. I wonder if we'll see him down back when he eventually moves back to the AFL. Do you think he can play in that role? Yeah, definitely. He's got that um, 
that that size where you can swing both ways and I think um, sometimes those half forwards are missing that, that spot in that forward line like myself mm. I was drafted as that half forward type lead up as well that medium forward same as Joel Jeffries and um, you know when I went down back that's where I stayed and um, I found my football was better down there so mm. I, I, I don't know jo- I, Joel's got the ability to play anywhere um, so whichever suits him and whichever helps him sit into that um, AFL team more regularly um, yeah. but he's a genuine um, traditional forward so but it was awesome to see Malcolm Rosier kick his three goals oh, last yeah. week as well or four goals sorry yeah um, career high yeah he was he was everywhere in that forward line so shout out to Malcolm as well and, yep. and, and hopefully see Joel back in there with him in the next couple of weeks yeah plenty happening at the Suns Ben Long will miss this weekend's game due to an injury it was good to see James Cheetahs receive another AFL opportunity last weekend he had a big moment in the last quarter but was unfortunately able to capitalise hey Raf, there are a few more NT players to talk about there are a little bit of CAFL stuff that we need to talk about too Central Australia but we need to make sure, because we keep talking until they tell us to stop, we need to have a shout-out to the mothers out there, because it is Mother's Day on Sunday. A special shout-out to my beautiful mother, Claire. Uh, happy Mother's Day. I love you very much. Raf, do you have any shout-outs? Yeah, shout-out to my old girl, Pam. Um, she's a well-known figure around Darwin. Um, you know, I'll be taking her out for lunch on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, or well, maybe if we're going fishing, we might be doing that instead. So the yeah. big brother's got to make the call on that one. So, um, yeah, Put well, a bit of pressure on me, mate. I was just going to do a bit of a phone call. Yeah. I was just going to say, Happy Mother's Day. And now nah. I've got to follow your lead and fishing yeah, and a nah, lunch. Well, they deserve a lot more than that, mate. So oh, 100%. You, you'll have to get around there, mate, and take her, take her a present at least. 100%, <laughs> mate. What does your next week look like? Will you be with us in the studio? I'm in, I'm in Norwell next week, so hopefully I'm on my Friday stay available as well, mate. So I'd love to be back in for two shows in a row. Awesome, mate. Plenty always happening in the world of local territory sport. Plenty happening in the AFL world as well. Hope everyone that listened to this show enjoyed it, and I hope everyone has a great weekend. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful mothers out there. The world wouldn't be what it is without all those wonderful mothers. Thanks very much for joining us today on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter.